Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. So over the last few weeks, we have been in this series of talks called Plus One. And Pastor already said that he's going to kind of elaborate a little more on Plus One Sunday later on. But if you've been here, if you've been tuning in online, you've seen that Pastor has been challenging us to pray for one person, just one person. In fact, as you came in outside, you saw that there on the wall is a poster where people are writing names on those posters. These are the people that we're praying for God to open up an opportunity for us to invite to church. Amen. You don't have to do all the work alone, but we have to do something. Amen. I'm a firm believer that if we all do a little bit, we can do a lot. I'm going to say that one more time. If we all do a little bit, we can do a lot. Amen. Amen. So as we dive into today's message, I'm reminded of the last few weeks where pastor has talked to us about what happens when God shows up and how God is in the fire with us that we go through in life sometimes. Last week, he talked to us about how when God shows up, As I stand here, my heart's heavy because I feel the Holy Spirit is doing something right now. See, some people came here today not wanting to be here today. They came here because they feel far from God. And maybe maybe for you, you don't feel far from God this morning. Maybe for you, you just don't really see God working in your situation. But I want you to know that there's a reason why you made it here today. Because I believe that as we dive into getting to know who God is, it makes it just a little bit easier to trust him. I know that we all hear that God has a plan and that God is with us. And, and sometimes it's hard to, to understand that or to live that out when we're going through difficult times. But if we get to know God, not just what he can do, not just what he can work out and do for us, not just the way he answers our prayers or answers our needs, but if we can get to know God for who he is, it makes it just a little bit easier to trust in him. So this morning, I don't want you to jump up and get your blessing. I don't want you to live your best life now. I want you to lean into who God is and allow him to take you deeper in a relationship with him. Because in the Garden of Eden, God didn't, God didn't create man to have a slave. God didn't create man to have a baby. God created man to have fellowship with him. He was looking for a friend and we get to be that friend to God. That goes beyond what what you can do for him or what he can do for you. That goes beyond that. Listen, Don's a talented individual. He's a creative. But more than that, I just love being around Don because there's just nothing that is impossible. Anything, let's do it. We can do it. Let's do it. We'll knock it out. And that fuels me. I've seen Nunzi wear like 17 different hats since I've been here. 
The fact that she was leading worship to me was wild. I came in and said, oh, snap, okay, all right. But that encourages me. That encourages me because I know that the place she's doing it from because I've gotten to know Nancy. And in that same way, I can't just go to God when I need something because I know him. We all have that one friend where, where they only come to us when they want to borrow five dollars. Hey, bro, let me hold five dollars. If you're laughing, you got the picture of exactly who that is in your head. If you're not laughing, you probably the, never mind. I believe that this morning God is wanting to reveal four characteristics of His heart to us in efforts not to see what He can do for us but just so that we can know him. Amen? So this third installment of Plus One, I've titled simply The Heart of the Father. The Heart of the Father. And if you'll go with me in your Bibles, in your smartphones, in your unsaved phones, Androids, if you open up to Luke chapter 15, we're going to be reading verses 11 through 24. Yes, all 13 verses. Somebody say, let him cook. Listen. We're going to read all 13 verses. When you got to say, I got it. Luke 15, verse 11. Luke 15, verse 11. If you still need more time, say, hold on now. Okay, so we're ready. I believe the word is read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that your word will speak this morning. Verse 11 says, Jesus continued. There's a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomachs with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Father, we come before you, thanking you for your word, Father, and we pray, my God, that your word will come to life in our lives today, my God. Lord, speak to our hearts, speak to our spirit. Father, speak to our situation, my God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. The heart of the Father. I believe that there are four characteristics that God wants to reveal to us about the heart of the Father. And as I began to study this, I was reminded of something that happened to us this week. Uh, we got a package at the house. We didn't order anything. So it was weird to get a big box show up in our, uh, showing up at our house. My wife called me. She said, hey, did you order something? No. There's a box here. Who's it addressed to? She said, it's addressed to some guy named Brian. I was like, well, there's no Brian that lives in my house. 
She said, I'm just going to open it. I said, whoa, hold on now. That's breaking the law. Don't do that. Wait. Hung up. I get home. I said, did you call the number on the package? She said, yeah, yeah, I called. The lady said she called me back, but I haven't heard anything. And since I haven't heard anything, I'm just going to open up the package. No, no, no. No, woman. Wait. Wait. So I call, and the lady said, oh, yeah, she called me this morning, but we had a machine that went down, and we've been dealing with that. I'll call her right back. Cool. I said, she's going to call you back. I went and took a shower. When I got out of the shower, she said, hey, she called me back. She said, hey, I don't know what happened. I don't know where the correct address is. Just keep the box. You guys can have everything in it. And it was a box of cookies, gourmet cookies. So my wife opened the box and, and, and divided it up with the kids and, and started eating. But what was interesting to me was that all I had to tell her was Wait. She didn't ask for an explanation. She didn't ask me what I was going to do. She didn't ask me when things were going to, when she would be able to open, when we're going to take it, when we're going to, she didn't ask me anything. She said, okay. Why? Because she knew me. Because she knows me. If I tell her to wait, she knows I'm going to take care of something. I'm going to try and figure something out about this. So she waited. Oftentimes, we like to run ahead of God. And we don't like to wait on God. And we like to, things when we want them in our time. And, and I wonder if we want things in our time, do we really know God? Are we really listening to God's voice? Because if we were, then we would understand that if he told me to wait, then hey, wait. John Maxwell once said that the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. I'm going to say that again. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. So when we get to know God, we hear a yes, we hear a no, we hear a wait from God. And as much as we don't like it sometimes, because let's be real, nobody likes to sit there and wait. We do it because we've taken the time to know God. We've seen how God works in our lives. A couple weeks ago, we had some people over at the house and Sunshine was one of them. And, and I like to observe weird little things like I can't tell you. Uh, a lot of big details, but I can tell you exactly what my wife was wearing the day that I first saw her, how her hair was, and why her hair was the way that it was when I first saw her. But I can't tell you some of the, like, the bigger things. I can't tell you what I wore yesterday. I have no idea. I don't know. But I noticed that when Sunshine came through the door, she immediately took her shoes off, and she sat down on her, on her couch with her feet propped up. Now, I don't know about you, but I was raised in a Spanish household, and I was always told, keep your feet off the furniture. All right. So I saw it. I didn't say nothing. I smiled. Why? Because Sunshine felt comfortable enough with who we were to know that her, uh, my house is her house, and she can come in, and she can be comfortable because we took the time to get to know each other. When you take the time to know God, you get a little more comfortable doing uncomfortable things. Oh, yeah, the Bible says we got to walk by faith. But when it's time to walk by faith, we don't like to do it. We like to hear it. We don't like to do it. But if we took the time to know God, walking by faith would just be second nature to us. I don't have to know where I'm going. I don't have to know every single step. Why? Because I know God. That's all I need. If I know God, I know how he works. So please tell me, has God ever failed you? So why is it so difficult for us to walk by faith sometimes? It makes me wonder if we truly 
know the heart of the Father. There are things that we get comfortable doing when we know who God is, and it becomes easier to trust God when we know God. And the best way to know God is to read God. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Oh, no, 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 I, I want to see the latest Michael Todd video. No, 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 I want to see the latest Elevation video. I'm, I'm going to step on some toes in this general area. Um, <laughs> we want to hear the latest revelation, but we don't want to see everything that God has already said about us. We want the anointing oil, but our Bible is the dustiest thing in our house. You want to know God, read God. Tell the person next to you, you want to know God, you got to read God. What I love is that we call the Bible God's word, God's word. A word is a promise, something that can be cemented as truth, something that you know is going to come to pass. Yet when it comes to the Bible, we look at it as everything but a promise. But if only we knew God, it would be just a little easier to trust God. So as I read the story of the prodigal son, I notice that oftentimes we've heard messages. I mean, we've been around church for a while. We've heard messages about the prodigal son, but it's always been from the perspective of the son, never from the perspective of the father. And I believe that when we look at the father, we learn four different characteristics of God's heart that he wants to reveal to us. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, which I invite you to do, my pastor always says that the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. The shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. I said, woo, the first time too, and I didn't apply it, and I started forgetting stuff, and I had to start, I started writing stuff down. You know what I'm saying? We ain't getting any younger. Anyways. Verses 11 and 12. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. The first characteristic of the heart of the father is that a father provides. How do I know that from this story? It says that he had an estate to divide up. Last I checked, poor people don't have estates. If he has an estate, the Bible talks about he had servants. The Bible talks about he had property. I believe he had riches. He had influence. So if he is talking about dividing this estate up, I have to understand that he has provided a life for his sons. As I began to look at the importance of wealth and inheritance in Jewish culture, I came to a, a, a website for a law office that deals with Jewish inheritance law. It's Drescher and Cheslow counselors at law. And they said, in Jewish tradition, wealth is considered as a tool for doing good in the world and an inheritance is seen as a way to continue one's legacy. It's a way to continue one's legacy and that's super important for you to remember. My father passed away in 2020, April 3rd, and he was the greatest man I've ever met. My dad raised us, I have an older brother and a younger brother, he raised us with four areas constantly and consistently in our lives. He said, you're going to have church, you're going to have music, you're going to have sports, you're going to have school. Those four areas are always going to exist in your life. All three of us, we play multiple sports, whether it's baseball, basketball, really anything we could throw our weight around. My older brother is just about as big as me. So, We play musical instruments. Uh, you, you saw me last week, I got to play the drums. Uh, uh, I, play, I play a bunch of different instruments only because I really don't sing. My little brother and my older brother do that. So to make up for that, I learned a bunch of instruments. Um, my older brother plays the French horn and the flute. We won't talk about it. But he also sings amazingly well. And uh, my younger brother sings and he plays a number of instruments as well. 
So he made sure that the music was always involved in our lives. On top of music, he made sure that we were all multi-sport athletes, which we were, although it doesn't look like it now. But then we also all at least graduated high school. My little brother has a graphic design certification from Full Sail. Last year, or the year before last year, I graduated from the University of Valley Forge with an associate's degree. So my dad made sure the school was in our, our, our life as well. And then finally, church. I mean, I'm here. And my little brother gets to lead worship for one of the biggest churches in the country right now at one of their campuses. Um, my older brother, um, I love talking about because he went through a very dark period and we didn't really know if God was going to reach him. But, but God's promises always return fulfilled. They don't return void. And now my older brother is leading worship at a church and together with his wife, they serve in the children's ministry, which I love. And they also just had my brand new baby niece a couple weeks ago. So I'm really excited to get South Carolina as soon as I get a chance. But this was the legacy my father left to me. He didn't leave me a business. He didn't leave me money. He, he wanted to give me something that was eternal, not something that was temporary. And he said, I have to make sure beyond everything else, my mom and my dad raised us with one family motto. We are going to be a family of ministry. We are going to be a family of ministry. We had to learn how to play all these different instruments because when none of the musicians would show up at church, we were the ones. When the person who runs ProPresenter didn't show up, we had to run ProPresenter. We had to fill in gaps. That's, that's a PK. That's ministry. But that's the legacy they left us. So now, when I see Nunzi running around with all these different hats on, I think to myself, man, I remember those days. I remember those days. And they built me for these. Those days built me for these. Last week, Pastor Chino talked about counting cables and counting the microphones needed, counting every light and every chair that was going to be needed. And that happened years before he found himself here. But it built him for here. See, here's what we don't realize about God's promises. God's promises are yes and amen, but God's promises are never right there in front of you. Sometimes they're given to you in an infant stage and you got to grow it. You got to go through a process. You got to nurture it. There are, uh, there are some things that come along with it that may not be necessary and that will get in the way. You got to move that to the side. Sometimes the, the wheat and the chaff, they grow at the same time. Do you get what I'm saying? So, so because of that, we have to go through a process with God. And we see that God, through this man, is providing a life and providing a legacy. Now we go on in verses 12 and 13, and we see that the youngest son has the audacity. Listen, I'm a middle child. If you're a youngest child, this is you. They have the audacity to say, Dad, I want my inheritance. He said, but, but I'm still alive. He said, I don't care. I want what's mine. What's coming to me, I want it now. Now, growing up in a Spanish household, I would have thought that somebody was going to get smacked. Look over at my little brother and be like, I'm about to be the little brother now. <laughs> You're going to cease to exist. But in that moment, the father reveals the next characteristic of the heart of the father. The first one is that a father provides, but the second one is that a father teaches and tests. A father teaches and tests. My mom used to say, if I see you running headfirst towards a brick wall, I'm going to do everything in my power to stop you because I don't want you to get hurt. And me thinking that I was being real smart, I said, but mom, sometimes you got to let me get hurt because then I have a scar and it reminds me, so I never do it again without thinking to myself about the pain that you go through when you hit that wall. There's some of us that we've been hitting wall after wall after wall, and we felt like 
we're failures. We felt like we're just not getting. We felt like there's, nothing's ever going to change. Sometimes as a parent, if you're a parent, you know this. There comes a time where you got to teach a child. There comes a time where you got to let them learn. I remember my son was climbing around on stage and he looked like he was going to fall. I was like, careful, you're going to fall. Careful, you're going to fall. Pastor Chino said, let him fall. He won't pass the floor. He won't pass the floor. He went home and started climbing on furniture. Stop, you're going to fall. You're going to fall. My son jumped off. He was three and a half. Jumped off the couch, went face first into our wood floor. Started crying. I looked at him and said, I bet that hurt. It was so bad that we ended up having to get one of his teeth pulled because it cracked his tooth so bad. Um, that's why he's grilling. But he learned. That doesn't mean that he's going to stop climbing on the furniture. He still climbs on it. But when it comes to the dismount, he sits down and slides right off. Because that's how we are sometimes. We won't stop doing what we're doing, but that dismount's going to be a little more careful. It was a process he had to go through, just like we have to go through. And as I began to think through the audacity of this young kid, I was reminded of the people of Israel going through the desert. Quickly, my Bible scholars, do you know how long the trip from Egypt to the promised land was supposed to take? Huh? 40 days? No. 11 days. 11 days. How long were they in the desert? 40 years. You could tell that was a man leading them because he wanted to stop for directions. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 40 years for an 11-day trip. You imagine that, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Why? Because you, you, you study the life of Israel in the desert and you see that there are moments where God delivers them. They worship God. They get tired and they complain. They fall. God needs to work, rescue them again. They worship God. They get tired and they complain and they fall. And it becomes this vicious cycle that they go through. And I hear God saying, well, you didn't learn it this time. Take another lap. Take another lap. And here's what the Holy Spirit dropped on me. Life is not an amusement park to be enjoyed. Life is a classroom to be learned. And there are times where you don't learn the lesson. And just like in school, when you don't learn the lesson, guess what you got to do? Repeat it. And there are so many of us that have been struggling with the same sin, the same situation, the same circumstance. And we say, God, where are you? I don't see you. But you don't understand that the teacher is silent during the test. And when you fail the test, the teacher has to teach it all over again. So if you've been struggling in your situation, in your circumstance today, understand that it's not the will of the Father for you to suffer, but it is the will of the Father to teach you and test you. And instead of saying, God, where are you? Say, God, what am I supposed to learn here and now? What is the lesson I'm supposed to learn here and now? If we learn that, then we begin to know the Father a little bit better. And we stop looking at every bad situation or circumstance or every situation that comes into our life as an attack from the enemy. Maybe God's trying to teach you something. Stop giving so much credit to the devil, bro. God is a teacher. Let him teach. And when the test comes, if you've learned, you'll grow. When you pass the test, you graduate. So a father provides, a father teaches and tests. The, characteristic, the third characteristic is that a father 
protects. The son has a moment where he says, hold on now. I'm sitting here struggling while my father's servants have food to spare and I'm dying of starvation. I'll just go back to him and I'll tell him, hey, I'm not worthy to be your son. Uh, make me like one of your servants. Just, just like us to get ourselves into a mess and then try to tell God how we're going to fix it. He said, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to him. And the Bible says that while he was far off, somebody say far off, while he was far off, his father saw him and he ran to him and he embraced him and he kissed him. Now there's, there, there's several things that are important to unpack here. The first one is this, why did the father run? In the culture of that day, men wore tunics that went to the floor. To see a man's bare legs was a shameful act reserved only for his spouse. And I can't imagine that with a skirt to the floor, ladies, help me out here. If you had skirts to the floor before, running in that skirt, you're going to meet the floor quick. So I have to imagine that if he ran, if the Bible details enough to say that he ran, he had to pull up his tunic and run. A shameful act. It was a shame for people to see. But he said, you know what? I don't care if they shame me as long as I go to him. As long as he knows that I was waiting for him and that I love him. Yeah, yeah. Good. Now you could say, well, why didn't he just walk? Why didn't he just wait for his son to get to him? Because there was a ceremony in the culture of that day that when you have left the village, which was a family, with everything that you own, and you lose it to the Gentiles, when you return to the village, they do what's called the Kezazah ceremony, which means the cutting off. The entire village comes out, and they smash pots in front of you, symbolizing that you've been cut off from them, and you are no longer in community with the village. So I imagine that if the father ran, it's because he's trying to outrun the villagers that were coming to cut his son off. He wanted to make sure that his child was protected because no matter where our kids run off to, no matter where our kids run through, they're still our kids. So he runs to him, embraces him because there are certain villages where the Kezazah ceremony doesn't stop with smashing pots. The person is stoned to death. He said, if I don't go, then they're going to stone him to death. They're going to kill my son. So he bore the shame of burying his legs as he ran to his son. He threw himself on him and embraced him and kissed him. And in that moment, you begin to see the heart of God that he protects. Come on, there have been some of us that we've run through some very dangerous situations. And even in the midst of that dangerous situation, God's protection was there. I found myself in places that I should not be in, doing things I should not be doing. And in the most dangerous moments of my life, somehow, God opened a way out. Because a father protects. We see that as the father ran. We see that as he bore shame. We see that as he hugged and kissed his son. And the last characteristic that I want to share with you today is that a father restores. Why? Because the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. 
Make me like one of your slaves. And it's as if the father had shut off his, his, his ears for a moment because he didn't hear any of it. He said to his servants, go and get my son the best robe. Go and get my son a ring for his finger. Get him sandals for his feet. Kill a fattened calf because we're celebrating. A father restores. In that moment, the only person that could restore the status of son was the father. So many of us have been running through this life trying to get right with God before coming to church, trying to fix our lives before coming to church. Can I ask you something? Do you clean yourself up and then get into the shower? That doesn't make sense. You get into the shower to get clean. I don't wait to get healthy to then go to the hospital. I go to the hospital when I'm sick. And in the same way, the church is a hospital for sinners. I'm so ashamed of where I've been through. Congratulations, we're all there. We've all been there. We all have our stories. But we found a place where we got healed. We found somebody who loved us so much that he waited for us by the gate. He saw us and ran after us. He embraced us and kissed us. He restored us and put a ring on our finger, a robe around us. And today heaven celebrates because we came home again. He said, let's celebrate because my son who was dead is now alive. He was lost and now he's found a father restores. Father provides. Father tests and teaches. Father protects. And a father restores. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Maybe this morning you're thinking, I'm not that far from God. I just I just stopped praying. I just got busy. Life just got hard. There's just other things going on. You might be saying, I'm just, I'm just ashamed. I want you to know that no matter where you've run to, no matter how far you've gone from God, he's sitting by the gate. He's sitting by the gate waiting for his child to come home again. He's saying, I'm not looking to judge you. I don't see in that story anywhere where the father said, where were you? What were you doing? Why didn't you spend your money better? He didn't care because his son was home again. No matter where you've run to, no matter where life has taken you, no matter where you've gone, I want you to understand that the father sits by the gate waiting to catch a glimpse of you so that he can run to you so that he can protect you and restore you, where he can say, my son who was dead is now found alive. My son that was lost is now found. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And sometimes we think that we are detouring off of that plan, but in reality, God doesn't have a plan B. He just has his plan. So he knows that you're going to detour. He knows you're going to stray. That's why he's standing there waiting with loving arms wide open, saying, come home again. Come home again. You tried everything else and it failed. Come home again. You've ran out of finances. Come home again. You can't figure out the answer. Come home again. You'll feel lost and dead. Come home again. 
because a father will always be here with arms wide open to protect you and to restore you. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes right there. Where you're at. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast.